in a series called Take Delight. And we're glad that you can hear because it's a great way to start off 2019. Because uh, we really just want to focus on what it means to take delight in Jesus for this year. And so we're looking at some key aspects. Last week, Thad talked about what it meant to take delight. And we talked about three aspects, to take delight in love, to take delight in serving, and then to take delight in life. And so today we're talking about taking delight in love. And like for me, that's the easiest thing because there's so much content and scripture that you can pull out and use uh, to kind of talk about what love is. And it's basically just newsflash and spoiler alert, it's all about Jesus. Jesus is love. And so that's what we're going to be talking about today. But the theme of this uh, scripture and the theme of or actually this series comes from 1 Thessalonians 2.8. And it's kind of our theme verse as a church. We started it all off like this when we first started. And it says this, we loved you so much that we were delighted to share with you not only the gospel of God, but our lives as well, because you had become so dear to us. And so this series is all about taking delight, and ultimately we want to take delight in Jesus. And so here at Open Life, we love Bonnie Lake, we love Buckley, we love Sumner, we love Ording, we love all the surrounding communities that are around here, Bonnie Lake High School. And so a good way to kind of think of that verse is to start off that verse by saying that we love, and then you fill in the blank, we love our neighborhood. For me, it's I love falling water so much that I'm delighted to share the good news of Jesus with our community, but also our very lives as well, because the people here have become so dear to us. And because that's our mission here at Open Life. Our mission is to be people leading people into a growing relationship with Jesus. And so hopefully that's always going to be rooted in love. Hopefully like that, everything that we're doing, our entire mission is rooted in the love that we find from God. And so today we're going to unpack what love is. We're going to unpack what it means from Jesus and his command that he gave us to love. And so we're also going to do some brainstorming, some kind of self-inventory and prayer to kind of look at what we can do to grow in our love for other people and share that love with other people. And so I want to start off kind of in the specific about love and talk about what Jesus said about love. And he said in John 13, 34 through 35, this is a passage where Jesus is talking to the disciples. He's getting ready to be crucified. And so this is the last supper with his disciples. And he's explaining like just these commands that he has for them. And this is just after he knelt and washed his disciples' feet. And so this is what he says, and he kind of brings the frame of reference for everything that the disciples were to be about. And so this is what he says. So now I'm giving you a new commandment. Love each other. Just as I have loved you, you should love each other. Your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. And so I love the simplicity of that command of Jesus. The only thing he said, the one thing he wanted his disciples to understand is that they needed to love each other after he left. And so it's simple, but it's also loaded because what he said right after that is that you are to love just as I have loved you. And if we know anything about Jesus is that he's perfect love to the disciples. He like showed them what it meant to love other people. He showed them how to live their lives. And so he's perfect love. And so when he says love others as I have loved you. It's a simple in practice, but actually loaded and pretty weighty when you think of everything that Jesus did and how we can follow his example. 
And so what I love about it, though, is that he says your love will prove you are my, you are my disciples. And so I don't know, like there was a song like in the past, like it's an older song. It's, I think it's a hymn, but it says they'll know we are Christians by our love. And so it's like kind of a slower song. It's like we are one in the spirit. We are one in the love. And then the chorus is they'll know we are Christians by our love. Yes, they'll know we are Christians by our love. And that's just incredibly, like, encouraging. Because so many times I think we try to confuse what it means to, like, bring people to Jesus. Sometimes we think we have to have, like, all these verses memorized. We have to recite a special phrase. But Jesus says, no, people are going to know that you are followers of me if you just love each other. If you just love one another. And so one of the ways that we can be a people that are leading people into a growing relationship with Jesus is just to simply love other people. It's just to love others. And so the song isn't, they will know we are Christians by our judgmentalism. They won't know we are Christians by our hatred. They're not going to know we are Christians by our finely worded social media posts that are going to convince other people and make them change the, totally their viewpoint in one fell swoop. That's not how we let them know we are Christians. We let people know we are Christians by the way that we love them. And so today is about taking inventory and looking inside of ourselves to say, God, how am I loving other people? Do I have this love? Am I choosing to follow in that one simple command that you gave the disciples to love each other so they would know that I love you? And so just uh, before, uh, like, in, in, in this time frame that we are right now, I don't know if you've made New Year's resolutions. I take the slow approach on New Year's resolutions. I start thinking about them about a month before the New Year, and then I still say I'm working on them and crafting them together until about the end of January. So I'm in this self-introspective moment in my life right now where I'm just thinking about the things that I want to do. And so, I, I, you know, I have some reading goals I want to do for the year. I have some ways goals that I want to hit by the end of the year, and they're going to take the whole year to get to. And uh, so just in this mind frame of like, you know, what do I want 2019 to be like? And so we have an opportunity to truly think about the way that we share our love with other people. And so that's what kind of I want to do today. And so what the main verse that you're always going to hear is 1 Corinthians 13. Is That's like the love chapter in the Bible. You'll hear it at weddings often. And so today I want to kind of look and do a deep dive into that chapter. And so I want to jump into 1 Corinthians 12, the last verse. Because just before that, Paul is teaching the Corinthians. He's t- talking to them about the different gifts that people people have. And as a church, how we are one body with many parts, and every single person has a role to play in that. And so then he goes through and talks about the different roles in the church, like apostles, prophets, pastors, people with gifts of healing and stuff like that. And so then he concludes chapter 12, and he says this in verse 31. So you should earnestly desire the most helpful gifts, coming from what he was talking about. But now let me show you a way of life that is best of all. And so today the big idea is that love is the best way. Love is the best way that we're going to live our lives. Love is the best thing that we can aspire to and try to have at the end of our lives say, you know what, I want to be known as a person who lived my entire life and say, you know what, he was a loving person. He had the love of Christ in him. And so if we're going to take delight in Jesus, it all starts with love. And so I don't know if you read Everybody Always. It's a book by Bob Goff. If you're a guest here, we have 
Bob's first book. It's called Love Does, and you can grab it as a gift to you for being here today at the Connect table. I wasn't listening without us talking, so I don't know if he said that. So I just wanted to let you know a second time if I'm saying it a second time. Go grab Love Does by Bob Goff at the Connect table. We're big Bob Goff fans here. It's kind of creepy, actually. If he were here, he would be creeped out about how much we love Bob Goff, I think. And so, uh, but we do. And so the second book he wrote, we gave it to everyone here at Open Life last year, but it's called Everybody Always. And something that he hits on over and over is how we can be a people that are becoming love. That it's not necessarily love in something we do or their actions, but that we can be people that actually are love to other people and that we're becoming love for them. And so it's just, I grabbed two quotes that kind of show what this means. And so the first one is this. This is what he says. He says, God's end game has always been the same. He wants our hearts to be his. He wants us to love the people near us and love the people we've kept far away. To do this, he wants us to live without fear. We don't need to use our opinions to mask our insecurities anymore. Instead, God wants us to grow love in our hearts and then cultivate it by the acre in the world. We'll become in our lives what we do with our love. And so then when he really hits on the becoming love part, later on in the book, he says, people who are becoming love keep it real about who they are right now while living in constant anticipation about who God's helping them become. And so I can't think of a better way for 2019 than to start living my, living my life in a way that takes into consideration what I'm becoming versus what I've been. Because I think many times we come into a church and we think about all the failures that have made up our lives. And we think, how can I possibly move forward? And we begin to kind of make decisions based upon what we think our past is. And so, you know, we think, you know what, I'm not a smart person. We'll start making dumb decisions because we think we're stupid. But if we want to aspire to be something more, we say, you know, I'm going to make decisions because I want to be a learner. And so I'm going to start learning. And so I think what Bob encapsulates in this is that if we're going to be people that are becoming love, it's a constant growth and a journey that we can go on. And it affects the decisions that we make right now. That if I'm going to become love in the future, I need to start becoming love now. And so 1 Corinthians 13, Paul begins to speak and he begins to talk on this. And he's basically saying the things that we do don't necessarily mean that we have love. We actually have to choose and love others as we're doing these things. And so 1 Corinthians 13, 1 through 3 says, If I could speak all the languages of earth. And so again, this is Paul explaining the best way of life. And he's saying, if I could speak all the languages of earth and of angels, but didn't love others, I would only be a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. If I had the gift of prophecy, and if I understood all of God's secret plans, and possessed all knowledge, and if I had such faith that I could move mountains, we just, in my small group, we just talked about having faith to move mountains, and we we're like, that's huge. I love, I love that Paul says this right here, because even if we have faith to move mountains, and then he goes on and says, but didn't love others, I would be nothing. If I gave everything I have to the poor, and even sacrificed my body, I could boast about it. But if I didn't love others, I would have gained nothing. And so Paul is about ready to explain the verse that you hear at every single wedding about what love is. But before he got to that, he's basically asking us to use our critical thinking skills to really think about how we're actually loving others. 
that the actions we do, as good or as amazing or as awesome as they are, that might put off a projection of love, if you don't have love in your heart, then you've gained nothing. You have nothing. If I don't have love, I'm a noisy gong, I'm a noisy gong who is nothing and has nothing. It's kind of like a math equation. Whatever I do minus love equals nothing. But whatever I do plus love is everything. And that's what Paul's getting at. And so then he jumps into 1 Corinthians 13, 4 through 7, and you'll know it when I start reading it. Love is patient and kind. Love is not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. It does not demand its own way. It is not irritable and it keeps no record of being wronged. It does not rejoice about injustice, but rejoices whenever the truth wins out. Love never gives up, never loses faith, is always hopeful, and endures through every circumstance. We've all heard that before. It's all something we should aspire to in the way that we live our lives and the way that we love others. He goes on in verses 8 through 12 and he explains that the spiritual gifts that so preoccupied the Corinthian church were, would be of no use in eternity if they didn't have love. He says that love will always remain. Even till through eternity, love will always be there. But these gifts and spiritual things they're, they're going after are good things that they should go after, but they're nothing compared to love. And so then he concludes chapter 13. This is Paul, and he concludes it, and he says, three things will last forever, faith, hope, and love. And the greatest of these is love. So what can we do with all this? I want to take time. We have, it's like 1040. You know, usually we're done right around 11. We try to be done right around 11. But it's 1040, and so we have a time right now where I think we can take personal inventory of ourselves and think about how we're loving other people. And so I wanted to kind of do this in a unique way today. I'm going to go back and kind of list off all of those things that love is. And it's an opportunity for us. The reason you have no notes or no fill-ins is because I want actually to you to engage with this if you are comfortable with doing that. To write, when you, you, you heard that list I just said, I'm going to go through the list again. But you're going to hear something. You, know, you might say, you know what, I'm... I'm not living my love the way in that aspect. I don't have that part of love, and I, I think I want to get it. And so sometimes what we do, especially in this time of New Year's resolutions, maybe you took that challenge last week and you started a Bible reading plan, and you did it on version. That check mark that you get every day, that's real. Like, you, it kind of helps you. Like, you know, I don't want to miss a day. And, you know, if you have the sharing settings, I don't want other people to know that I missed a day. But it's, it's so true. But sometimes when we get into that routine of reading Scripture, now don't get me wrong, I'm encouraging you to be in Scripture each day. But sometimes when we get into that routine, we might be like, you know what, I just, I got to read three chapters today and I'm going to be done, and you kind of breeze through it. You might like scroll through it, especially depending on what part of the Bible you're reading. But today, I intentionally want to slow down. I intentionally want us to pray first, and to really think about what love is and if we're having that in our lives. A personal inventory, I think of them as accounts. And it's like, how's my account of love in these different areas? And so I brought up a chair because I want to make this intentional for me. You guys are sitting, and so I want to sit too. Um, but to really just kind of sit and ask God to really speak to us today. 
Because like what we don't realize sometimes is that God can speak to us when we choose to give him our time and our rest, and we choose to rest in his word. And so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pray first, and then just be really intentional. I'm going to say what love is super, there's 15 things on that list, and I'm just going to say them quickly. I might have some verses going, I might have some questions that we can think about to kind of just in our minds to think about, you know, am I living this way? And so I don't know how this is going to translate. I hope it's beneficial for you. I hope you might take it for other passages of Scripture and do it at home just to slow down and read even just one or three verses. But I hope that you can find this really good for you and even thinking about ways you can read Scripture differently to help gain more out of it. And so, God, we just come before you right now and we just ask for you to speak to us as we really choose to listen and think about what love is and how we can live that and show that to other people, I pray, Lord, that we would make this next time just a time of prayer and a time of introspection and a time of reflection on how you love us and how we can love other people. So we ask this in your name. Amen. So 1 Corinthians 13, 4, he says, love is patient. And so I think of all the times that I've tried to rush the good work of love. Am I able to accept delays in the way that I love people? Or do I try and just come up with a plan myself and I want it to be done now, now, now? Love is patient. Love is kind. Romans 2.4 says, Don't you see how wonderfully kind, tolerant, and patient God is with you? Does this mean nothing to you? Can't you see that his kindness is intended to turn you from your sin? Is my love for others rooted in the kindness that I have received from Christ? Maybe my kindness will show God's love to someone who thinks their sin is too big for God to forgive. Love is kind. His kindness leads us to repentance. Love is not jealous. Philippians 4, 11 through 13. Not that I was ever in need, for I have learned how to be content with whatever I have. I know how to live on almost nothing or with everything. I have learned the secret of living in every situation, whether it is with a full stomach or empty, with plenty or little, for I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. God, teach me how to be content so that I don't have to be jealous for the things that I don't have. God, in this social media culture that we share our best moments, Cure the negative aspects of that with contentment that doesn't look to other people to compare or to think about the things I don't have. But God, let me be thankful for the things that I do have. Love is not boastful. Love is not proud. Love is not rude. Proverbs 11.22 Pride leads to disgrace, but with humility comes wisdom. Matthew 5, 5, God blesses those who are humble, for they will inherit the whole earth. God, let me be someone who is humble in the way that I love others. Let me not be proud that would hold my relationship with you over anyone else or look down upon anyone else. But God, let me be humble just as you were humble and as you humbled yourself. Love does not demand its own way. 
Philippians 2, 3 through 5. Don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble, thinking of others as better than yourselves. Don't look out only for your own interests, but take an interest in others too. You must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. God, have I put my will above yours? Have I noticed and seen everyone that you want me to love that's in my life? Has my pursuit of my own way put blinders up to the needs of others in my life? Love is not irritable. Love does not keep record of being wronged. Psalms 103, 8 through 13, the Lord is compassionate and merciful, slow to get angry and filled with unfailing love. He will not constantly accuse us nor remain angry forever. He does not push us for all of our sins. He does not punish us for all of our sins. He does not deal harshly with us as we deserve. For his unfailing love toward those who fear him is, a great, is as great as the height of the heavens above the earth. He has removed our sins as far from us as the east is from the west. The Lord is like a father to his children, tender and compassionate to those who fear him. God, let me use that and think about the way you taught us to pray and read Matthew 6, 12. And forgive us our sins as we have forgiven those who sin against us. God, we thank you for the forgiveness of our sins through faith in you. We thank you for the opportunity to repent and turn from those things and walk differently, but also, God, to forgive those who have wronged us. May we be able to look past our own anger, and may we not be quick to become angry, but that we be quick to forgive in those moments where we can. Love does not rejoice about injustice. Love rejoices when truth wins out. Psalms 89.14, righteousness and justice are the foundation of your throne. Unfailing love and truth walk before you as attendants. Proverbs 16.11, the Lord demands accurate scales and balances. He sets the standards for fairness. We think of any times, God, that we may have been dishonest or promoted half-truths to help our own standing in the eyes of others and even with you. We think of ways that we can join with those to bring justice to the oppressed. We pray for our partners who are working across the globe to bring justice to those that are hurting. Love never gives up. Love never loses faith. Love is always hopeful. Love endures through every circumstance. We remember the past season of highlighting the hope that we have in you at Christmas, even just three weeks since that has passed. We trust in you, even in the midst of the trials and the circumstances that even we wish we didn't have to walk through. James 1, 2 through 8, Dear brothers and sisters, when troubles of any kind come your way, consider an opportunity for great joy, for you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. So let it grow, for when your endurance is fully developed, you will be perfect and complete, needing nothing. If you need wisdom, ask our generous God and he will give it to you. He will not rebuke you for asking, but when you ask him, be sure that your faith is in God alone. Do not waver, for a person with divided loyalty is unsettled as a wave of the sea that is blown and tossed by the wind. Such people should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Their loyalty is divided between God and the world, and they are unstable in everything we, they do. God, let me find 
the perseverance that comes from the struggles that I'm currently in. And God, we just remember all these things together. We just ask, Lord, that we would think about these things really deliberately, God, that we would trust in you as we love other people, God, that the things we do mean nothing if we don't have love, God. And so in conclusion, God, we think about your unfailing love that is talked about in Romans 8, 35 through 39. Can anything ever separate us from God's Christ's love? Does it mean he no longer loves us if we have trouble or calamity or are persecuted or hungry or destitute or in danger or threatened with death? As the scripture says, for your sake we are killed every day. We are being slaughtered like sheep. No. Despite all these things, overwhelming victory is ours through Christ who loved us. And I am convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love, neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither our fears for today nor our worries about tomorrow. Not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. No power in the sky above or in the earth below, indeed nothing in all creation, will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus our Lord. God, let us remember that your love, God, let us remember that your love comes from Jesus. God, let us just contemplate on that love that we have, God. And I pray right now if there's anyone in this room that hasn't chosen to follow you, that hasn't accepted you as Lord in their life, God, I pray, Lord, that they would make that decision because of the love that you have for them. Your love is revealed through Christ, God. And may all of us here, God, reveal your love for others through the way that we love. Would all people know that we are followers of you by the way that we choose to live our lives because of the love that we have for them. We ask this in your name. Amen. And so that's just a kind of a practice I wanted to share with you guys, just to kind of read through scripture and to pray it through, to think really contemplatively and to just ask God, to work in us and through us and the things that we're doing. Because sometimes I hope that you were able to maybe jot down a note that you said, you know what, maybe you're not good at patience and you're challenged by the way that God is constantly patient with us and the way that he loves us. But the thing is, is like when we choose to live our lives and live differently because of this love and we choose to love others and people see it, people do see it. This past week, I had uh, dinner with a friend, and his wife, me and Danny, were with them. And they were, he's an old high school friend, but we haven't seen him for about three years, like, to really have a good meal. But they know everything that's going on in our lives. But they haven't really, we haven't really talked to them, like, one-on-one since my mom passed away. But he was there when my mom was first diagnosed with cancer, like, 15 years ago. And something he told me, I didn't even remember, I don't even think I knew. But he knew that my parents would take communion together every night when my mom was going through chemotherapy as a way of just trusting in God. You know, when you're talking about going through trials and that love hopes all things and believes all things and never stops trusting in God. And so just to hear him say that, he noticed that in other people and how challenging it was to him and how like high of love that spoke to him between the love that my parents have for each other, but also the love that they have for Jesus. And that's only to tell you guys that you don't have to go and do communion every night, but think about the ways 
other than the people that you get to love every single day. Like, think about your spouse. I'm sure there's things on that list that I can work on better to love Danny in a better way. I'm sure there's things on that list where if you have kids, that you can love your kids in a better way. Kids, you can love your parents in a better way by the things that we read through on that list. For all of us, for everyone, we have the opportunity to love people in a different and a better way through the things that we read through on that list. Because God's the one, Jesus is the one challenging us to live that life. And so I just want to kind of conclude and just tell you a little, I've been reading this book and to talk about love in action. Because we can't just focus on our thoughts about love or what scripture says on love. We have to begin to like live and kind of breathe deeply and let it kind of walk out in our lives. And I've been reading this book. It's about the guy who started the charity, Charity Water. His name's Scott Harrison. And long story short, he used to be a club manager in New York, but then he came and like found Jesus through the prayers of his parents and like interactions with other people and a book he was reading. He found Jesus and he decided, you know what, I'm going to jump into this like year-long missions thing called Mercy Ships where they would go and do medical. They have this, it was actually like a medical boat where they would go to the shores of Africa, go and grab all the sick and do all these procedures. And so he's talking about, and they showed pictures of like um, people with like basketball-sized tumors, and they go and like remove them, and they have a new way of life after that. And just showing that as like the actions of the love of God. And so it came to a time in the story, I encourage you guys to read it, it's really good, but he, he goes to the time in the story, and he's trying to decide what he wants to do after this time of being on these ships. And so he wants to do everything. He wants to solve every problem in Africa and the whole world. And so he talks to the lead surgeon who's been doing this for like 34 years. And this is what he said. He said, Scott, Mercy Ships isn't looking for Mr. and Mrs. Super Christian. We're looking for people who are courageous enough to obey that little voice in their heads telling them to help another human being. God isn't asking you to do everything. Take care of the two or three things you can and leave the other eight to him. Remember, actions, not words, are what people need from us. And so Thad next week is going to talk about finding delight in serving and finding delight in our actions. And so I want to encourage you to be here next week, but I also want to just leave you with that because it's the actions that we need that are rooted in love that people will see. It's the things that we actually have to do that Paul's saying, you can't just do those things without love, but we need to start doing them with love. And so if we're going to feed the poor, if we're going to show, bring people meals, if we're going to meet people's needs in every tangible, practical way that we can, we need to make sure that those things are rooted in love. And so Paul ended 1 Corinthians 13 with the last verse. We read it already, but he says this, three things will last forever, faith, hope, and love, and the greatest of these is love. And then he goes on to 1 Corinthians 14 when he's going into the next section. And this is my favorite part. Let love be your highest goal. But you should also desire the special abilities the Spirit gives, especially the ability to prophesy. Let love be your highest goal. In everything you do, in everything that we can possibly be as followers of Jesus, let love be our highest goal. That's the one command Jesus said. 
I give you a new command that you would love one another just as I have loved you. May you love one another. And so our action point today is to let, your lo- let love be your highest goal. So can we do that today? We're going to worship. And so I would just encourage you to make me make this contemplation process go on into the worship. Maybe you're just going to sit and you're going to jot down notes. Maybe I'm like a circle or brainstormer type person. I kind of like write something down and then circle it and draw a line and circle that. And it gets really messy and I can't even like think about it. But in the moment, it helps me process and just think about what God wants me to do. And I think they're praying, they're singing crazy love. And that's a really fitting song for today. And so as we conclude, I'm just going to read 1 Corinthians 3, 4 through 7 again in a different, uh, this is a paraphrase, it's called the message. But I hope that it just cements this process in your life where you can really think about what God is speaking to you out of scripture for your life specifically. 1 Corinthians 13, 4 through 7. Love never gives up. Love love cares more for others than for self. Love doesn't want what it doesn't have. Love doesn't strut. It doesn't have a swelled head. Doesn't force itself on others. Isn't always me first. Doesn't fly off the handle. Doesn't keep score of the sins of others. Doesn't revel when others grovel. Takes pleasure in the flowering of truth. Puts up with anything. Trusts God always always looks for the best and never looks back, but keeps going to the end. God, let that be our prayer for our own lives. God, I just pray right now that this would be a a watermark moment for people's lives, for their hearts, for other people. God, I pray for any circumstance that people might be going through. Maybe people are going through their trials and it's really hard to just say, love never gives up because it might be really tempting to give up right now. God, I pray for supernatural power to be in those people today. God, I pray for the the, marriages in this room, God, that have never even had moments of these types of love. God, I pray, Lord, that practical decisions would be made. Maybe re-engage is going to be signed up for today, this afternoon, because of just a re-acclimation of what love is and that we want to show it to our spouses. God, for each and every person in this room, God, may we know and understand the people that we come in contact with, the people that we interact with, God, and may we know and understand what love is to them. They will know we are followers of Jesus by the way that we love them. And so God, let that be our heart and our prayer as we worship today. In your name, amen.